Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of DN Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Ben TPK Bumhofer. How are you doing there, <laughs> Ben? Wow. I mean, that is such a horrible, horrible thing to call me, but uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, we've got Never stories. Know. We've got stories. We do have stories. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that bad guys it wasn't that bad no i know no. i've heard from several people they they enjoy hearing about the uh the campaigns and no ben did not prematurely end his campaign yeah i mean when that happens it's gonna be real bad news for all of us because i'm having so much fun that i'm i don't want to kill it yet you know yet give it some time <laughs> give it some time but funny enough it is it is kind of appropriate because uh, our big topic of this evening uh, from both the DM and the player perspective is player death. And so this is a this is a really, really interesting one because um, it's something that at least for the most part, you'd never really want to happen. Uh, it's something that will inevitably probably happen unless mm-hmm. you are actively doing things to keep it from happening uh from a from a dm standpoint exactly um, but we wanted to we wanted to kind of touch on this a little bit because uh, it's it's a hard thing it really is um it's a hard thing to go through uh, as a dm and a player but there are a lot of ways that you can make it better make it more interesting make it better for the players uh, and potentially spin it into really cool story moments. Um, so just to kind of, kind of get the ball rolling a little bit from a, from a DM side of things, whenever we talk about player death, this is something that it's really good to make clear from the very start of a campaign. Mm-hmm. Just setting setting the tone from the very beginning of the campaign and letting players know, hey, this is a dangerous world. There are things that are going to happen. There are foes you're going to face. Some of them may be more powerful than you. Some of them may not be. But if death is a possibility, which in most games it will be, at least to an extent, mm-hmm. it's good to let players know this um, and set up those expectations right from the beginning. Exactly. And even more so on top of that too, um, you know, we, we've talked about death before in, you know, various circumstances and things like that, but you know, we're like Ryan said, we're, we're digging into it a little bit more. Um, first and foremost though, when you are discussing this with your players and if, if, they seem that they, they might not be, you know, oh, well, I don't want to play in a campaign that has death or anything like that. Talk to them about the reason for it. Because something that I had uh, horribly mistaken when I was first DMing way back in fourth edition was, oh, I'm just going to make sure that everybody lives, everything's fine, everybody has fun, we're all together in this, and woohoo, yay. But then it turned combat into something that didn't really matter because there was no, there were no stakes in place. And as soon as there were no stakes, they they didn't, you know, get through something by the skin of their teeth. You know, things weren't interesting. It's just a battle's just there. Why at that point, you know, if you just want to have a full RP story and, and gameplay, great. You don't need the battles. You can just say, 
bad guy comes up, you beat him, ta-da, the end, you know? By adding in the, I mean, first of all, the random chance with the dice in the attacking and everything as well, you add a little bit more excitement. The fact that there's actually consequences to those dice actions adds even more excitement. It means that when the players are successful, they're truly successful and excited by it. If, you know, they're defeated, then they're defeated. It it, it gives that much more of a personality and, and uh, you know, I guess overall feeling to playing in the first place. Yep, for sure. And, and, and that's not uh, that's not to say that every single combat has to be life threatening oh, or whatever. There's there's a lot of there, there's a lot of reasons for combat uh, as well um, within the story. Um, multiple, and, and we we talked a bit about this when we talked about combat encounters, but multiple encounters a day making it so that it's not just at least especially from a 5e perspective here's your battle it's one and done you long rest you get everything back mm-hmm. then you go to your next battle you long rest you get everything back so there's there's definitely a purpose to those more often less deadly type encounters that can do be more of a wear down type scenario mm-hmm. because those can also in a lot of ways provide just as much uh, danger sense as one gigantic thing. But I think that's, that's kind of the, the second point too. As a DM, at least personally, whenever my party is about to enter, and because they know not every encounter is going to be life and death, but whenever my party is about to enter an encounter that very well could be life and death, I try to make sure they know the gravity of it. I don't necessarily come out and say, Hey, you could die here. Although that is actually a way to do it. That is a way I mean, that's, that's definitely not a a wrong perspective to kind of give people a heads up. Hey guys, you could foreseeably die here. Like this is a big deal. This is a, this is, like the end of an arc. And this is something I'll talk about later in the episode. This is something I've done very recently. It's just like, Hey guys, this is, this is a big deal. This is a, this is the dude you've been chasing for a while. He's got a lot of, a lot of minions with him. And this is going to be hard. You guys are going to have to use all your items, all your strategy, all your spells to try and overcome this potentially, deadly encounter and so it's it's something to make sure your players of aware are aware of so they can take it more seriously exactly and telegraphing that might be enough but if it is something as high stakes and you know like like you said just you know end of an arc sort of thing you know maybe really kind of point out hey you know give give the whole I don't expect all of us to uh, survive this, but those that do will live in glory or, you know, something along those lines, you know, you can have NPCs kind of talking them up or, or something Um, on top of that, you know, if it is a a big, huge arc, they've encountered other people. Maybe those other people are like, look, we are going to hold off the, the rest of the undead army while you go take care of the bad guy or, you know, like 
come at it from different perspectives. Use what everything that you have in your ability, and especially if it's an end uh, end campaign fight, use that to your advantage to really set the stage and then again make it even more you know kind of scary amp it up and you know if someone does die they know that they went out doing the best that they possibly ever could yeah and that's that's honestly a a really good point to kind of add into all this death death's death's a really interesting thing because there's there's certain types of death where okay this was an even battle the dice just didn't fall in the player's favor it sucks but it is what it is because sometimes the dice falls in the player's favor and they just destroy everything you throw at them or or just ace every social encounter you throw at them and sometimes it's the opposite and they Mm -hmm. just have a night where they just can't do stuff um so those kind of deaths are sucky, but they don't feel they don't feel like they were cheated necessarily because it is it is what the what the dice did. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also player deaths due to bad tactics, and I and as a DM, you cannot take that responsibility on yourself. And, and feel bad for it because you may have had you may have a very balanced encounter but the players just approached it in a very <laughs> what's what's the tactful word for this in a very uh they they used poor decision making there you go in a very poor tactical way yeah. uh they may have just run in full force they may have not talked it through they may have not made any sort of plans or or taken the time to scout or you know just treated it flippantly or whatever mm-hmm. those types of situations if a player dies it's it's not on udm it's there, there are times when players will die because they just be poor decision making yes the the only time that you really have to watch out is when players die or are about to die due to your poor balancing. Mm -hmm. And this is, and this is something that it's always sucky to run up against. And it's something that you need to keep in the back of your mind because it never feels good for a player to die because you miscalculated how hard something was going to be and it ended up being way harder than you intended. And so whenever you get into a situation where you have this, this big thing planned out, you need to make sure you leave yourself options for self-balance within the battle Mm -hmm. so that if something is, not necessarily not going the player's way, but if something is going really bad because you miscalculated the, oh, ugh, maybe they couldn't handle two adult red dragons at the same time. At uh, level three. Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> that would be a really, really bad example. You need to work on your encounter yeah, building. the CR table at a all. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so make sure you you leave yourself 
yourself some outs uh, or potentially uh, leave yourself some options to deal with deaths that happen in that way that were not the fault of the dice or the players. Exactly. Like, um, you know, we've talked about specific things before about how uh, maybe you're uh, damaging armor that's coming loose or falling off or something, you know, like lowering the AC as time goes on um, and different things like that. Uh, you know, really bad balance and not really thinking things through where I'm pretty sure I told the story about how if uh, one of my players didn't succeed on that disintegrate dexterity save, he would have just instantly been dead because of the plus to damage was more than his max hit points. That would have been really bad and my fault, and I probably would have lessened that damage and not let that happen. <laughs> I mean, granted, story-wise, totally made sense why he cast that at him, but I didn't want him to die just without really any chance of anything. Yeah, that's that's just yeah, a balance that thing. Yeah, exactly. It's a balancing. Um, one thing that you really need to make sure that you don't do, and I, I really feel that anybody who's listening to our show who is a DM or who is trying to be a DM and everything, this wouldn't even be an option, but it does remain that it has to be said, never use death as a punishment. So if let's say someone's just annoying you, a red dragon doesn't come down and bite their head off and then fly away or rocks fall and they die or so don't, don't do stuff like that. That breaks trust between your players and you. It causes resentment and it just, it's basically the end of your party if you do something along those lines. Like you're, you're just not going to play the same type of game ever again. Don't do no. that. Yeah, don't do that. Um, so with all that being said, things were balanced. People made tactical decisions. The dice just didn't roll your way. Mm-hmm. And one of your players died. Ooh, it sucks. Um, and there, and it's and it's really interesting because depending on your world and depending on your party, there's a whole lot of different options that can happen. Because as a DM too, when especially when you start your game, you need to decide how prevalent and how easy resurrection is going mm-hmm. to be. Because from a straight five E rules perspective, resurrection is actually fairly easy for yeah. the most part just just a little expensive depending on what your level is yeah and so i think level five is the earliest a cleric would get a resurrection spell i believe I uh revivify like comes at five it's whenever you get the third level spell slots um and it it takes a dime and it's worth 300 gold so i mean it's not not trivial um yeah. But it's, it's one of those things that as a DM, if you want to allow that type of thing, you need to make sure that that, those reagents are available for, Mm -hmm. for purchase in, you know, places that legitimately would have them. Um, And then from a just straight rules perspective, as long as you've got the spell, as long as it's been less than a minute, and as long as you got the diamond, they're back up. Exactly. And so that I, I think, and I know I'm not alone in this and some people are just fine with that. And it, you know, that's fine. It's no big deal. Um, you may have people dying several times and just getting revived. 
and it's it's not as big of a deal. I'm I'm of the the mindset that I want death to feel a little more heavy. I want mm-hmm. I want death to be a little more serious than that. And so there are a lot of um, really good homebrew type rules, homebrew systems you can use that make death more interesting and make it more um, more story oriented. Uh, make it more engaging than just somebody um, putting a diamond on somebody else and saying, get up, you're good, you're fine, <laughs> no, no big deal. Exactly. Um, so I, I wanted to uh, talk about that a little bit and, and we'll go over yours, you, yours too, Ben. I don't know if you have um, homebrew, like death, death mechanics. Um, I use, um, have you ever seen Critical Role? They have mm-hmm. a they have a really interesting system for or Matt's got a really interesting system he uses for death and I I use kind of a, a modified version of that that actually requires um, some some checks to to try and uh, to bring the the person back so that there's actual a little more actual stakes and a little more uh, of the the characters playing a role. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got, you've got that type of thing. Um, you could make it, you can make it harder. You can make it easier. Uh, what do you, what do you do, Ben? Or what, even if you haven't had someone die, what, what do you, if, if one of your characters mm-hmm. were to die, what is your, what is your take on that? Yeah. Luckily we've only gotten to the point where people are rolling death saves. So, uh, and that only happened once or twice so far, but if someone actually does completely bite the bullets, then uh, I got to say, I fell in love with what Matt does on critical role. I think that, I mean, you nailed it right there. It's, it's not just, Oh, we have a cleric. Everything's fine. It's okay. You have access to being able to res someone, but it, it does take more than that. And I'd like the idea of, you know, pulling from various people and, and everybody kind of contributing part of their themselves into the resurrection. And I'm not talking like they're, they're giving hit points or anything like that, but like, you know, um, joining in on the ritual and, and actually affecting everything that happens. And it's a really great way to just include everybody. It makes the, the, the whole process seem real. Well, not real, but you know what I mean? Um, you know, it, it gives it more gravitas, gives it more weight and still has a chance of it not actually like completing. Yeah. And then you have the issue of our party doesn't have a cleric. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. And I've been in parties like that. And so when you are in a party where you're, you don't have a party member that can actually resurrect someone, if they die, you have to figure out as the DM, okay, this party uh, that's running is not running any sort of cleric. So they can't revive or resurrect people. Is there a mechanic in my world that can do that at like a city or whatever? Mm -hmm. Is there a large cost to this or is just due to where this is taking place? That's completely out of the question. And so those types of campaigns or those types of scenarios will be inherently more deadly just because of the, the lack of 
someone being able to to revive. So so what do you do in those situations? Well, as as a DM, you need to make sure that whenever a character does die, you make that very meaningful. Mm-hmm. You want to try and give them as good of a send off as you can, even if that means the character died during a combat or some other scenario and it wraps up, there's no one who can resurrect. Even if that means at that point saying, okay, we're going to call the session right here. This is, this is a big deal. And then talk to the player whose character died, figure out how they would like this wrapped up and then potentially start your next session with that sort of thing so that the character can be given a meaningful send off. Exactly. And on top of that too, if, if you're uh, just to kind of take a step back, if you know, you don't have a cleric close by, you start to have options based on how long they've actually been dead. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, revivify, which is if they've been dead for a minute, that's, as long as you know you can wait for that sort of spell uh for raise dead you're looking at one hour that's a fifth level spell and as you know time goes further and further and further there is technically always a way to do it if you want to go by just the spells themselves uh all the way up to a true resurrection which you don't need anything for um except for you know hey I think I got, want to true resurrect this person and you know costs like an insane amount of gold and diamonds and stuff like that so you do have options there but if there's not really a way that you know a group of especially lower level characters who might not have access to the materials like the diamonds who might not be able to afford you know to be able to pay a cleric or a church or some sort of temple to to do any sort of resurrection and everything brian you're right you know kind of call it there if it's like the beginning of the session. If, if it's something that's, you know, maybe you've talked about with the certain players before um, you have some sort of idea of like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to hold some sort of memorial. We're going to take this. We're going to give all of the other players a chance to kind of, you know, maybe eulogize the, the dead character because as parties form and as they grow, your characters grow together. Um, I mean, gosh, my group's been playing for like maybe, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. I don't know anymore. It's just one of those things where it, it seems like forever because, you know, we, we used to play once a month and well, now it's more, but um, you know, as, as that's happened, those characters have grown together. So if one of them dies, I mean, yeah, the players is going through something, but you can't forget that the rest of the party and even yourself are going to be feeling something as well. So being able to really honor and respect that character as a group is so important. So, so important. Yeah, for sure. And um, one of the, one of the other things that, and this is, this is not, again, this is, this is more of a homebrew thing, but just as a DM, one of the things that I like to do from, from a resurrection standpoint, and I'll actually kind of, uh, talk about the example when we when we get to our our games is whenever the character a character is revived, I like to make sure 
and give that player the option of whether that actually works or not. Mm -hmm. Because it's possible that the player may consider that character's work is done. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe they have, maybe they are at the point where they're just like, okay, uh, I've, this guy's had a good run. I'm ready to do something else. And this is a fitting end or maybe even not that maybe they enjoy it, but maybe they're just like this character, this is how you would have wanted it mm-hmm. going out, saving these people. This was just the type of person he is and he wouldn't feel the need to come back because he considers his, his work done. Yeah. And so it's always, it's always good to give the, the player whose character died the option of letting that be permanent if that is what they want. Yeah. I mean, just to give a good example, um, I have a cleric myself. I think he's level 10 or 11 now. Um, his whole background and everything is he was named after a big hero, you know, that was in the family that, you know, that was in his clan that happened before his entire life. He's been trying to emulate that, trying to be the big hero and live up to that name. If he's going down like in a fight, which I totally play him. He's the first in, he always goes, saves innocence. He's going to, you know, basically, like try to sacrifice himself for the greater good, no matter what to live up to this name. If he succeeds in that and, you know, either lands the final blow or is able to shield someone from death or something along those lines and dies for it. How cheap is his life going to be? If he's brought back after that, he's going to continuously up the ante, which in some cases that might be kind of a, a, a clever or, or not clever, but a, you know, an interesting thing to kind of try and portray and, and work on. And, you know, does this guy have a death wish or is he just trying to go even higher and, and, or is he satisfied with his life and with the sacrifice that he made? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And so that's why it's, it's always good to give, to give the player the option just in case, uh, they feel like there's their their character's story has come to a close. Exactly, because they should be making that decision. On top of that, uh, you know, kind of conversely, um, if a player comes to you and says, "Hey, I don't like this character," hey, there you go, could just kill him off. Um, seriously, though, you know, work with them. You know, try to find a good fitting into the story, even if they're not super happy with the character. You can still let them kind of go out in, you know, some sort of blaze of glory or something along those lines. Um, It's just, you know, people put time and effort into, you know, into the game. Uh, RPing is a big part of it. You get to learn more about the character that you're playing that way. If it turns out you don't like that character, that's fine. They were still there for that amount of time. Give them the respect that they deserve. And it, you know, even if you're not, super happy playing a character saying farewell to them is still going to matter something to you. Yeah. And that type of thing is definitely something you should work out with your DM Mm -hmm. because it may not always be appropriate to, to kill off the character just because you, you want to do a new one or something there Mm -hmm. might. And personally as a DM, if someone came to me and said, 
I'd like to, I'd like to kill my character off because I want to, I want to switch to something else. <clears throat> um, I would probably talk through them with them, their reasoning for why, why does the character have to go out dying mm-hmm. versus just leaving or, you know, something, something else. And if yeah. there is a good reason for it and I talk to the person beforehand, then I would never kill them in a combat mm-hmm. because I feel like that would take away from what the com- what combat should be about. And it would be more in a sense, the DM metagaming mm-hmm. the, the combat to kill something and more. I would then, if, if we had decided that death for this character was the right thing for whatever reason, I would kill them I would kill them in, in RP. Mm-hmm. I would kill them in story. And I, and that would, that is almost never appropriate, but in this situ, that type of situation, it would be appropriate because then you're not putting any of the other characters at risk for something that this player just wanted to do to a character for exactly. whatever reason. And it can be a very fitting end. uh, that is a little bit planned out ahead of time. Exactly. It's the difference between for some reason, all eight of these orcs want to attack this one dude or Hey, the big bad wants to, you know, throw his power around and make an example out of one of you or something. I mean, that, that those are just very quick and off the top of my head and definitely not the way I would really go, but you know, something. Yeah, for sure. Um, any other DM side things, Ben, you want to talk about? Um, for the most part, I think that's kind of it. I mean, again, it, it's really a lot of, um, a lot of trust between you and the player when it comes to any sort of combat, any sort of death dice rolls. You know, we've talked about fudging numbers and stuff like that before. And I think that as long as you're true to your players, as hard as a death can be, they're going to be a lot more accepting of it when it does come. For sure. Um, so now let's, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about things from the, the player perspective. So first mm-hmm. off, Ben, have you ever had a character die? I have not. Of course, for the most part, when I've been playing, I've been the DM as opposed to actually a character. So. Yeah, haven't had much I, of an experience <laughs> of it. that's 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 one of those things that it happens sometimes mm-hmm. uh i've had one character one character die um and it was for like uh it wasn't a one shot but it was like um just like a four or five session mm-hmm. thing died died midway through so there wasn't near as much connection and um cohesiveness i guess when when a character dies two or three sessions and as opposed to i've had this character since level one we're now level nine ten eleven mm-hmm. and my character is dead that's a much much bigger deal just from a, a story perspective and from a, a time perspective and a relationship perspective definitely um but as a player uh and it it sounds kind of weird to say this, but there there is definitely a period of coming to terms with character loss. Uh, it's mm-hmm. never something that 
almost never something that you want to happen. Uh, and sometimes it happens and it, it can suck. And that's why, again, from a, from a DM perspective, especially if you have a longer running campaign and a character dies, uh, I will, I, I would normally call the session shortly after just out of respect for the player mm-hmm. because for one, their character died. That sucks for two. They don't get to play anymore. This session, also sucks, which also sucks. And so, um, it's one of those things then as a player, try and work with your DM to, to give your character a fitting and a fitting memorial, make sure that you work with them. Some maybe have left, some note in your backpack or some, you know, memento or uh, some family member or friend or, you know, something like that that can show up at some point to like finish off a story or finish something you're, you, you started or uh, help the party understand something about you as, as your character um, is, is, has the book closed on them essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, one of the big things too, is that, um, you know, if the session ends shortly after that's very good, it gives you time to definitely be angry. That's okay. Cause guess what? You died. That sucks. That means like in D and D terms, that means you lost as much as you can lose. And in a game that's not really about technically winning and losing, it really sucks. Again, I haven't experienced it myself, but I can definitely guess how that goes. So give yourself time to be angry. It's okay. Absolutely okay. Also give yourself time to kind of mourn because this is, especially if it's a, a, a you know, long-term character, it's someone who you have gotten attached to. Give it that time. And then at that point, you know, like we've kind of talked about on the DM perspective side of things, go and, you know, celebrate with everybody, celebrate the life that was, you know, um, if that means if you're able to, you know, hang out with everybody, just kind of talk about some past adventures, you know, like if you were actually mourning for a friend and I am totally stealing that from a Matt Mercer video that he did about player death, because I think that's one of the best ideas that he, that you can do is just get together out of game with everybody and just kind of talk. You know, make sure everybody kind of understands what happened and, and that's, you know, it's a meaningful thing. But then after that, you got to start looking at uh, the future. Yep. And a lot of times it, it, it never hurts. It never hurts to, to do this in general. Um, it never, never hurts to have a backup character idea or at least and a template or an I, even if you don't have a character built out in the back of your mind, if you, if your DM sat you down at the beginning and said, you might die at some point in this campaign, it's possible. Death is a thing. Uh, it never hurts to have as a player, a secondary character or a template or, uh, an idea built out of another character that you would be interested in playing. That way, if worse comes to worse, you have something 
or at least an idea of something that you can then begin building out and begin working with your DM to integrate into the world and finding good reasons to link that particular person up with the, the rest of the party going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to, you know, kind of continue along the same path, you do have some different options, you know, it could be a, a family member or, you know, they, they, if say you're a paladin or a thief or something like that, you could be part of the same order or guild, you know, maybe um, something that the party didn't know is that you were there, you know, at, as some sort of vested interest into this adventuring group and they sent another representative or something, um, you know, friend from the past coming to avenge their friend's death because they had a, I don't know, a life debt of some sort or something. I mean, there, there's different ways that you can kind of continue along sort of the same path, but at the same time, bring something entirely new to it. But I will say that one of the best examples of, of accepting and moving on with the character death I ever saw was just like a really quick story on like Twitter or Facebook or something. And it was uh, like this, this eight or 10 year old's first time ever playing Dungeons and Dragons and they're going through and he had this really awesome paladin character that he made and died for a session. So like, okay, well you need to, you know, come up with another character. So he looked at his character sheet, wrote junior next to the name and said, I'm avenging my father (laughs) and just went right into it. Love it. Yeah. It's a great way. Great way. Just bring it right back in. Yeah. So no, there's, there's all sorts of, of really fun ways. And in, in a lot of ways too, um, sometimes it's easier to make a new character post character dying because you know a lot more about the world. You know a lot more about the story. You know a lot more about your character. So in some ways it's much easier easier to integrate that character into the world than maybe even the initial character you made. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I'm not going to lie this. So my initial campaign that I started, um, I didn't have the world built out. I didn't have a lot of the stuff. I I didn't even know how long this game was going to last. Yeah. Now we, here we are like two, two and a half years later and, and it's still going and I'm super thankful and it's it's been awesome and super fun but the the original characters that started don't have super deep backstories Mm -hmm. it's not the player's fault and it's not even necessarily my fault it's just a byproduct of the world that they're in just not being fleshed out at the time because We just didn't know where it was going to go, what it was going to do. And of course, now the world has been fleshed out a ton more. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of lot more areas that are, are, have been created and are known about. And so it, it's funny because like newer players that have joined in as, as other players have left or whatever have more tightly integrated backstories. Mm-hmm to the world just, just because of that. So it, even though that's not a character dying and a new one being created, it's, it's the same type of premise where there's a lot more information you know now. There's a lot more locations. There's a lot more places. There's a lot more stuff going on. 
And so it is much easier to make a character and integrate it within the world. But and, and at the same time, if you are a DM that did that, doesn't matter. That's, that's fine. Characters don't need necessarily super complex backstories that integrated into your world mm-hmm. to, to thrive. The, the ones that I'm referring to have picked up a lot of stuff along the way that has integrated them in and has grown their personal story arcs beyond just the tiny slice that we started. And so, I mean, it's, it's completely doable, but at the same time, it helps Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to start with that. It, it, my campaign, we started off as just a one shot of, hey, let's play Dungeons and Dragons. And then everybody had fun. So we just started playing more and then playing more. So at one point I'm like, okay, everybody make a backstory. And I mean, at that point we hadn't really gone very far in the area that we're in. But the best part is, is that everybody wrote a backstory about an entirely different area of the world. So I'm like, yay, you did part of my work for me. But um, I mean, just just think about it. Like if, if uh, you were playing in your campaign and a character died and then, or your character died and then you were able to make a new one, you can say like, Hey, I, I hail from this town. I know. And instantly everybody knows a little bit about you right there. You know, you don't have to do as much of a huge, you know, background backstory, you know, of getting the character into the party, which is, you know, sometimes a little weird, but I mean, as players go, we realize, oh, we want our friend to play with us too. So they're going to like totally accept anything that happens. Yeah, that's, that's just one of those things. It's, it may be a little contrived. Mm-hmm. It may be a little awkward, but at the end of the day, it's just one of those things where this person's playing. We're going to integrate, even if our characters don't trust like the new guy or whatever, we'll, we'll, it, it may even be a little cheesy or whatever, but it's it's fine. <laughs> it's going to happen because you want to play with the other people. Exactly. And so it, it, it doesn't matter. They're, you're going to just accept it and it's fine and and you you'll you'll get over it quick. Yeah. And even more so, you have a whole new backstory to play with that you get to kind of, you know, pepper around and, and teach people. And if you're RPing and having fun with it, hey, guess what? You get to relearn some of their stuff or see what they've added to it or, or things like that. Like, that's one of the reasons I am super excited that, you know, we have a new character on Plus 5 to hit because we had a whole RP session of just kind of learning more about each other. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. I'm learning stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think, exactly. I think that kind of stuff is fun. Um, the, there's one other option, and this kind of tail ends at this conversation and almost sneaks into our community content shout out a little bit, but it's uh, alternative options post-death. Uh, it's quite possible that you are in a scenario where uh, the person does want to keep playing their character in some capacity or is very attached to their character or potentially you killed the whole party. Even if it was a balanced encounter, the dice went real bad and you're playing the monsters, 
the way the monsters would be played, not the way the DM wants to mm-hmm. wants the situation to end up. Um, which again, that line, <laughs> that line gets really fuzzy <laughs> whenever it comes to, to, to killing players. Yes. Um, it, it does, but, but let's say you're in, you're in one of those situations where the whole, the, the party has been killed or <clears throat> a certain person wants to keep somehow playing this character. Uh, there's, you've got options. You've got you've got lots of options. There's there's a lot of interesting stuff you can you can do with that. One, the let's say you you kill the party, party wakes up in the underworld. Hey. They wake up. They wake up in one of the one of the nine hells. All of a sudden, you got a whole new campaign. Mm-hmm. You got a whole new new set of stuff. They got no equipment, but they're quote unquote alive. <clears throat> now they got to figure out this whole new area, this whole new like afterlife type thing and figure out maybe all of a sudden this is a huge plot device. We're good we guys. Get- how did we, how did we end up in one of the, one of the layers of hell? How do we get back out? Is it mm-hmm. possible? And then you've got this whole new interesting thing, same characters without completely derailing and destroying your campaign that you've built. Um, maybe, and this is, this is kind of goes along with the community content shout out. Uh, and apparently Matt Mercer is just getting a lot of shout outs. Uh, well, <laughs> this, he's good at what he does. He is. He is good at what he does. <laughs> um, and this isn't necessarily even the only, only type of one of these things too but this one is free on dm's guild and it's called the lingering soul mm-hmm. and you can you can get it for it's just a, a pay what you want uh uh class that that matt has made that is a post death class it's like its own it's its own class for when your character dies you become this class with potential possibility to get resurrected or come back or something to your character at, at some point in the future. Uh, you could have some sort of like undeath, undying thing. Uh, you could have like a, a curse on you where you, you can't fully die mm-hmm. until you've fulfilled something. Maybe this comes with uh, penalties to your character and some extra and some bonuses maybe that you, you didn't have before as a DM, depending on what the player wants to do. And like I said, this, this may not always be appropriate for your, your situation, but depending on what the player wants to do, there are a myriad of things that you could potentially do post death to allow the player to keep playing or the party itself to, to keep going. So <laughs> for some reason, the first thing that came to mind was, uh, yeah, there could be some other reason. It's like, oh, you could totally Pirates of the Caribbean it, you know? At, at some point you were cursed and now you can't actually die. But you're not exactly living. You know, something along those lines. I mean, I don't know. I watch too many movies and uh, I, you find inspiration. But what matters most, and, you know, th- this this is really more of a DM thing than a player thing, but and I mean, we were kind of talking about this before we actually started recording stuff, but it's your world. 
if for some reason no one wants to give up their character or it's a TPK and something needs to happen, make it up. You have literally unlimited options of what you can do. Have fun with it, you know? Give, give your players the, the, a heroic send-off. Have them all possess or be reincarnated as uh, ancestors or, you know, something like whatever. Who knows? You, you have the entire multiverse to play with here. And I like the idea of just of having options. If you have someone who doesn't want to do that and wants to do a new character, well, guess what? Boom. They get to join up a party of people who may or may not know each other, have, you know, some sort of connection to the past and all this other fun stuff that you can do. I like that. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, just want to point out like sometimes death is death, but there are always options to do some creative things in lieu of people dying. Yeah. If that's, if that's something that the player wants to do. And if that's something that you feel is appropriate or would fit your world of the situation. Yep. It's always uh, as pretty much everything in this game comes down to communication. Talk to your players, yep. players, talk to your DMS. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all we need to say about that. Pretty much. Communication. Communication's good. And speaking of DMs and players, the thing we've just been talking about the whole time, uh, this is my way of segueing into the what we're doing in our games right oh now. Uh, we've both played a few, a few times since we last recorded. So, uh, Ben, why don't you, why don't you tell us what's, what's going on since, since we last met? Oh man. So, okay. If I remember correctly, I think the last thing I told you about was uh, they fought the clockwork dragon. Yep. And then yep. That, that's where they ended. They stepped through a portal. So they go through the portal. It's another, you know, like the last section of this wizard tower that they've been going through or mage tower or whatever you want to call it. It's a tower that a magic wielding person has lived in. And because I can never get enough of them, they, they walk around a corner and they're heading towards, they got two doors in front of them and they encounter a gelatinous cube because they're fun. I mean, super simple to kill. No one's really going to take damage with it, but it's a gelatinous cube. You have to throw one in there. Um, anyway, so they ran into a treasure room with, I gave them a crap ton of gold and some platinum and a bunch of different magic items that, you know, I think all of them were homebrewed. Either I pulled from D&D Beyond's homebrew area or I made it myself. Um, you know, just some kind of interesting trinket things that I found as well as the really stupid thing that I made up and uh, a, a, a magical bow that just randomly lets you be invisible once per long rest. You know, some stuff like that just because why not? Um, although I did make the, I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. I, I called it the, uh, the Grey Wizard's Clutch. And it's this little moth pendant that summons a giant eagle for like three rounds. Then that's it. I was watching. Lord that's of cool. Rings. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Um, so anyway, so then they, they, they went into this, this laboratory area where there was an, an undead uh, beholder and two little gazers that they fought. And there was someone alive in there and my sister joined the game. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she was a um uh, a prisoner and everything, but she's a sorcerer and she she uh you know, based on what she did, she can cast spells while, you know, without somatic gestures or whatever that the 
that uh, awesome sorcerer power is and stuff. So she helped out and they defeated them and stuff. But in this room is this, this giant vessel containing all this like necrotic energy that's been siphoned from the nearby town and, and everything. So like, what's going on with this? And it ended up, uh, they started destroying some of the, the lab equipment and everything that was in there that this, this wizard was using to animate these ro- like clockwork and robotic soldiers. That's how he created the dragon. And it, it cracked and started releasing these ghosts out because it's just like all this necrotic energy, right? So they ended up fighting four ghosts overall and horrifying visage is a really fun if people roll really badly. <laughs> so, uh, so why don't you explain what that is for people who, who have never ran or fought ghosts? Okay. So um, horrifying visage visage is something that each ghost is able to do. And basically everybody needs to make, I think a wisdom saving throw. It's, it's not super high. It's like maybe 12 or 13 or something. And if they, uh, if they don't make it, that character is frightened of that ghost. They can re-roll uh, each round. But the thing is, if they're, they, they miss the save by five or more, then you roll the D4 and multiply it by 10. And that's how, uh, how the, the character ages by that many years. Yep. Ages. So I had uh, two characters. Um, age 30 years each which is kind of a uh, kind of a surprise to them it was one of those things where i'm like I'm like oh you rolled that and then immediately the whole party's like uh-oh <laughs> so roll the d4 you age 30 years what what does that mean you're 30 years older now <laughs> yep <laughs> and so that, how did that how did that end up um, well, what's great is, is one of the people who, who was aged was then possessed by a ghost as well. <laughs> um, the, the really neat thing is, is that they, the whole group worked out together pretty well. We had a cleric, so they were able to you know, turn undead eventually, but they ended up killing like three of the ghosts before that happened. So the possessed person got polymorphed into a mouse and then just put in a pocket to hold on to for later, you know? And I'm like, well, the ghost could leave or it could attack them. <laughs> so I had the, the mouse hit, bite them for one point of damage. And then um, that's when the turn undead happened. It was forced out of the, the possessed person. They ended up destroying it and stuff. I mean, nice, my, my nice, characters, nice. yeah, the characters are like level seven. There's six of them. So, you know, the ghosts really weren't too hard of a challenge. Uh, but I mean, considering they just came off of a, a an undead beholder and two gazers, I'm like, ah, you know, we'll throw a bunch at them and see what happens. And uh, it was it was pretty fun. Everybody had a good time with it and stuff. And they they uh, took this this glowing orb that uh, all that necrotic energy was passing through, and so now they have two of them. They know where a third one is. And uh, in the, these journal writings that. Uh, the the mad wizard had written in everything. He's, he talked about two other ones in these two different towns. One of them is not on the map. Ooh. So yeah, we're going to see what happens with that. And so, you know, they, they made their way back down through the, the, the tower and everything. They got back outside and um, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but like everything around that tower was basically dead. It was like, you know, a husk. And then as they walked outside, they ended the session with, and you hear a single bird chirping. 
And they're like, oh, life came back. Uh, life. Like, yeah. Yeah. So uh, they just left the tower and uh, they, they've got, they're on a quest to go to the main city and we're going to be playing on Saturday and I'm really excited. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the first full-blown dungeon that uh, that I've done and that they've gone through, and they were pretty successful. There were a couple of close calls here and there, and I, I think it was actually it, it was pretty successful. I think it went pretty well. Postmortem, you feel feel like it it all worked out. Yeah, definitely. Everything um, was balanced and next happened the I way do, you wanted it to happen. Well, I, what are I, what are your takeaways from my, from your my, your first dungeon? My takeaways are I I need to make them bigger. Because, I mean, granted, it took us a couple sessions to get through them, but, you know, they're being very careful and methodic as they're going through. And, you know, combat can take a while sometimes. Um, so, you know, maybe another floor would have been good. But, uh, yeah, but by, the, by the time we were done with it, I think we we're, you know, time-wise, I think we spent enough time in there. Um, I really have the hardest time balancing my encounters, though. It's like, well, there were some that were, you know, a little tricky and stuff like that. I, I feel like I need to add a more danger to their lives. And what's coming up on the future is definitely going to be a lot more dangerous. Um, and last but not least, I need to become much more familiar with the monsters that I throw at them because, you know, as a DM, you have a lot going on, a lot that you're juggling, you know, especially during combat and stuff. It's really easy to forget tiny little things like either damage immunities or like say legendary actions, things like that. Like I need to get much better at that. Because if that, that Clockwork Dragon used all of its legendary actions, it would have gone very different. But, uh, no, yeah. that, is, that is such a great tip that if you're running combat as a, as a DM, make sure you review mm-hmm. whatever you do, especially, especially if they're a spellcaster. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> because it just, that just adds a whole, a whole another element. And in a lot of ways... I usually recommend if you run a spellcaster because most things don't last more than three or four rounds at max anyways, is pick a few things mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that they're going to use and don't worry about the entirety of, of spell tables and whatnot. Pick a few interesting things and say they've got these things. Exactly. Most likely for enemies, like spell slots and whatnot aren't going to matter that, <laughs> that yeah. much because they're going to they're going to die before they get a chance exactly. to use it. Like for, for wizards and spellcasters, I usually have some form of defense, like going into the day, they've usually cast like mage armor on themselves because I mean, they're, they're a bad guy. They're, they're going to get attacked at some point. They know they are. Um, but on top of that, some sort of escape and a couple good damaging spells like, you know, an AOE or two and then single target mm-hmm. one or two. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not only that, there's the, um, and it, I was trying to think, uh, when you were, when you were mentioning it and it's, uh, it's just completely, it's completely escaped me now. Dang it. You know how, you know how you get the idea and then it just leaves you. Oh yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's really, and I'm trying to get it back, but the more you concentrate on it, the the less it's, mm-hmm. It's gonna actually come back. So if I if it if it pops up yeah. again, cool. It's just one of those things. Well, uh, what about you? Like, what have you been doing? I know that uh, you've had quite a quite a few cool things happen. Oh my gosh! So I've I've gotten uh, since we last met. I've gotten in two games. The one I I play in, 
uh, uh, home games. And then I've gotten uh, one of my session in and I've got another session of mine I DM tomorrow. And so uh, the ones I play in have been, have been pretty fun. Uh, we, we kind of got over player death of, uh, mm-hmm. of one of the characters, came in as a, as a new character. Um, and so that's, that's, been, that's been fun. We are now in the uh, kind of capital city of the world so city play is is really interesting it's it's a lot different than um just like country play or just being Mm -hmm. in a village or being on the road traveling or in a dungeon or whatever because it just opens up so much potential for like politics shops events all those sort of things um so we've been able to we got a big lore dump which is cool we have been able to, we did a little like arena type fight, which was, which is fun. Um, and we're, there, there's a lot of pieces of backstory that are starting to come into play, even though all the char- characters are kind of doing them individually. We did, we did something I, I've never done before um, where the DM actually did one-on-ones with each person hmm. and did some like, single character backstory type stuff, which was cool. And so, uh, so we did some of that. And so now we're, we're basically waiting to go to this fancy party so that we can try and find out information about, uh, uh, a certain dude we're, we're looking for, or may have a connection to this, like, uh, this evil stuff that's been taking place, these portals that have been popping up all over the, the land and spewing out really bad stuff. So, cool. yeah, so that's, so that's fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to next session to uh, have Ivantar go to a fancy party <laughs> because, because he's a dragon mm-hmm. um, and he's got, uh, he's got dragon shape change now at okay. level six. And so I can, I've got other personas that I can do, which is, which is super fun, especially for me. Cause that means I get to play lots of different things and I, I cool. enjoy, I enjoy that. So it, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I went and bought fancy clothes <laughs> last session. I actually went to a, went to a, a clothing shop. Um, and it was really funny cause the DM, <laughs> the, the, it's like, is there a clothing shop? And he's just like, uh, yeah, uh, quills. And everyone was just like, isn't that like a writing shop or something like that? But he, he, <laughs> and he told us afterwards that he, he, had, he didn't know what, what to do, but he, had, he ended up turning it into just like, it's, you know, it's the name of the dude who, who runs the place. And yeah, as an afterthought, oh, that was a, a terrible name. But now everybody knows that it ended up being, it ended up being pretty funny. Not bad. So yeah, <clears throat> always, you can always turn turn silly little things into into fun stuff and so it's it's memorable now right it's memorable so that's that's actually kind of cool my game however that's that's where the the insanity happened we i i think i um had talked about basically they made it through this mini dungeon essentially Mm -hmm. in this in this crypt and they were in this giant room and uh is basically 
the climax of the arc that they had been on for uh, several months where uh, there was this, this dragonborn uh, zealot essentially called the Harbinger um, was revealed to have connection with one of the characters and a past backstory event in their life. So that was really fun to, to tie that together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, the characters found out they're building this giant mana bomb under the city Ooh. to try and destroy a, a large chunk of it. And they had captured dwarf labor and there were some hill giants running supplies back and forth to the thing. There was a fire giant dreadnought. There was a cool. fire giant caster. And then there was the harbinger himself, which, um, actually had like legendary actions and such and his basically lieutenant that was with him a green dragonborn mm-hmm. uh caster and she was she was nasty and so uh and then there's this big teleportation circle that they were using to bring giants into the city to attack unaware um and so they had set this huge teleportation circle up. So that's how the giants were getting into the city, coming cool. into the mountain through the Dorvan district and starting to, to wreak havoc. So they, they, they strategized. They were talking throughout the week beforehand. Um, it was fun to, to see them bouncing ideas back and forth off each other. And they ended up uh, enlarging the fighter slash monk who is absolutely insane if he does all of his stuff at the same time and he went <laughs> and he ended up destroying the, the teleportation circle. Um, I was able to do a whole lot of really fun stuff as my barbarian multi-class into paladin. And cool. so during a, a very appropriate event, essentially I activated his paladin class, um, his, club morphed into a warhammer oh nice um and so he's a he's a paladin of cord now and so because i think i talked about this on another episode that Mm -hmm. i I really like the idea of the uh the evolving weapons yeah and the the like the artifacts and the stuff that kind of grows with you rather than you just finding cool new magical loot oh there's a plus two toss out that plus one you know that's that's no good. So I've really tied a lot of the primary things for all, a lot, all, pretty much all my characters into their backstory and into what they are. And almost every single one of them has had some sort of power increase because of a, a moment or, or an event happening. Very cool. And so, and so that's been super fun to, to, to kind of go about. And so, our, our monk fighter was just wailing on big bad guy and he had had enough of it. And so there was a lot of people that were downed during this whole, enc- this was a hard encounter. Mm-hmm. This was, this was a really hard encounter and I didn't really pull any punches either. This was, this was, they knew going into this, this was a big deal um, because this was potentially an entire district getting blown up. And so uh, several went down. There were several making death saving throws. Our cleric was freaking clutch, uh, <laughs> which, which uh, for our game is actually um, unusual <laughs> because our cleric <laughs> plays this very timid, very like not as helpful 
type type character, which is which is really funny. But he had a clutch moment where he did like a life transfer, sacrificed some of his own health to mm-hmm. heal up the the monk war, uh, fighter who then wailed on the big bad. Um, the big bad then had finally had enough. He cut him down. And while he was making death saves, he just stabs him straight down. And normally, normally just as a preference, I don't usually have enemies attack down characters Mm -hmm. just because they're not a threat anymore for the most part. And so the the most, yeah, most enemies will attack the people who are actually still able to do attacking things. He had made himself such an annoyance and such a nuisance and done a hefty amount of damage that this, this bad guy was just like, I've knocked you down two or three times already. I'm sick of you coming back. And he just kills him. Makes sense. And so it's, it's just one of those things it's and it. It's one of those things where DM me is just like, Oh my gosh, am I really going to do this? And, but actual enemy is just like, this guy is a pain in my butt. I want to make sure he stays down. Yeah. And so that was, that was a really big deal. And you can, you can really, and I, one of the things I like to do, especially now that we're online, um, majority online, uh, just because stay at home orders and trying to, to keep safe and everything mm-hmm. is I, I encourage, I don't require, but I encourage people to use their cameras because I like seeing the, the facial reactions. I like seeing the, the interaction yeah. and it's, it's good for players to be able to see that as well. And that's just, that's just my, my style personally. And so I encourage that. And so it's nice because then I can read the room. Mm-hmm. essentially i can see it, other faces i can s- see if they're having a good time or not i can see if if they look bored or not i can i can see if they're they're mad or they're they're nervous or whatever and it, it was toward like the mid to end of that battle it definitely you could see the seriousness ramp yeah just in people's faces and stuff especially as that happened it's just like oh crap someone is like dead and we have to survive enough mm-hmm. to get this person hopefully back up and so uh fight went on they're really bruised but our ranger who has the cursed bow with the powerful entity inside lands the killing blow <laughs> on the harbinger and that alone is going to have implications for this next session that I'm really excited to talk about oh, cool. because then his, his green dragonborn ended up coming down, grabbing his body and using a scroll to teleport away because they're, they're If, if I were to critique their, their tactics, the one thing they, they did wrong was they let her stand up at a high space and just free cast almost the whole fight. They took care of the fire giant caster really quick, knocked her down, fought the harbinger. They fought the, the other dreadnought and uh, the NPCs ended up 
killing one of the hill giants and oh, pushing him into a river. Yeah. yeah, pushing him into a river of lava. And I actually, I rolled those rolls out in public so they could uh, see what the the dwarves were, were trying to do and do stuff. So that was super fun. And um, so they ended up killing one of the, one of the hill giants because it turns out if you look up lava damage, it's really high. Oh, way higher really, than you think. Really high. You don't want to go near that stuff. <laughs> no, you don't. It's really high. Uh, so as the whole thing was wrapping up, as she kind of saw him fall, she went into, she might could have, killed another one or two of them mm-hmm. legitimately but she went into crap leaders down i need to go make this right type thing i need to go try and get him to a place where he can be resurrected yeah which under normal circumstances because they didn't do it if they killed her first things would have been way different But they didn't. And so she ran over, she grabbed it. She used the teleportation scroll. She's gone. However, the wrench that was thrown in was the fact that the ranger who had the cursed bow landed the killing blow on him. And so I can say this because the session will have already happened by the time this comes out on Monday. I've got a um, fun custom skill check that I'm, I'm making. So the entity will be will be contesting the resurrection of this big bad i like it and so i'm going to it's going to be a best of seven roll and i'm going to let the ranger do this along with the guy and so he's going to be able to he's going to roll he's going to add his wisdom modifier to it and then um, the gray man, which is his patron, mm-hmm. is going to give him advantage up to three times, three different, up to three different rolls. He can decide when he wants to use it. And he can also sacrifice 10 hit points of his own to roll a D6 to add Ooh. to the DC. Because I wanted to try and make this really interactive and, That's and really cool. interesting. And so they're going, he is going to be setting the DC for me to roll against the dragonborn clerics who are trying to resurrect this guy. So they, uh, they'll have their D 20 and they have a plus five. And so I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to roll these just on, on D and D beyond bot on discord. Mm-hmm. Just, and it's just going to be like, this is what happens. I want this to be one of those. This is where the dice fall. And if he succeeds in stopping the resurrection. There's going to be huge implications for him and his patron who is trying to absorb this incredibly powerful soul. That's cool. And if they doesn't, then, Oh no, they've got a super pissed off (laughs) dude who now wants revenge. And so I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know which way it's going to go. And I'm super pumped to find out. And I've, I don't know. It's, it's going to be fun. So that's, that's going to happen at some point uh, during the next session as its own little kind of zoom in mini event. We'll that see how it works. 
is very cool and i am actually really looking forward to seeing all that stuff yeah i'm i'm so excited to see because i i think i think that's going to be a really fun thing for him uh first he'll need to decide if he's even going to help because he could say no way dude i'm not going to help you absorb this soul he's gonna because the gray man's gonna say something to the effect of um this will allow my ascension whatever that means and so he has to (laughs) decide if that's something he wants as as his character and if so then they will quote unquote work together to try and stop this ritual this resurrection ritual from happening so very cool i'm excited I can't wait to hear all about it. <sighs> yep, and I can't wait to hear about the 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 city you've got oh, going. I, I, I hear got it's plans. pretty special. Yeah, I hear it's pretty special. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty neat. I'm I'm really looking forward to having some fun with that. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Whew, man, sorry that was that was that was like the end of an arc session. So it no was a, it was a huge deal. We went I think almost five hours in pretty much just that combat. And it was it was quite the nail biter, super super fun all around. the The balance ended up being uh, fairly fairly decent. Everyone did, honestly. Everyone had moments where they shined, which was mm-hmm. great. Uh, I, I loved to see that everyone everyone had their moment, and uh, they they made good decisions. And so, and they overcame it. It was sucky. Uh, <laughs> and they had to, they had to resurrect, they had to resurrect their, their friend. And it was, it was close because they start out, you start out with the, the way I do it. I started with the DC of 10. Mm-hmm. And so basically the cleric will roll and add their spell casting modifier to, to the roll. And they rolled like, uh, a seven and added five. And so 12, the DC was 10. So it was, it was close. It yeah. was it was a little it was a it was a little scary close to be <laughs> honest. But then I gave a fun like sequence where I sucked in the cleric and had him meet our monk fighter dude, mm-hmm. kind of home, home turf for for him, just this yeah. quiet monastery in the secluded forest. And I basically gave the option of, do you want? to come back or not. And they had a really cool, they, and they had a nice little RP for several minutes and it ended up being really cool and just a, a, a very well done thing. And he finally decided, yes, I will come back. Justice has not been served. He plays a very heroic <laughs> character. <laughs> um, so it was, it was good. It was fun. I've, very cool. uh, I was very happy with them and there's much more much more to come all right well i look forward to uh checking out uh in the next episode but until then then why don't you uh go through quick uh where we can be reached you bet uh if you're looking to tell us some of your stories make sure to send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com we love hearing about them you know it doesn't have to be dungeons and dragons any other tabletop rpg that you're playing we'd love to hear stories seriously like really um i mean we love we, D stories yeah really i mean we like, could gush about you saw them. how much we geeked out about ours yeah. like <laughs> we want to geek out with you about yours too because 
yours probably have super cool stuff too. Exactly. Like I wish I could tell you some of the really cool stuff behind the scenes that my players don't know about yet, but I can't. And I just hit my desk really hard because that was fun. But anyways, uh, if you have things that, uh, you know, are a, bit, a little bit more bite-sized that you want to share or ask questions about or anything, you can always tweet at us. Uh, you can send those to at DN Discussions. Uh, Ryan and I both have access to that account. We both check it and respond when we can. You know, we'd love to talk to you guys. Uh, on top of that, if you are hearing this for the very first time, you're like, gosh, death, that's a pretty low and you know, kind of sad topic. Guess what? We have plenty of other episodes. You can check all those out on dndiscussions.com as well as on Google, iTunes, a whole bunch of other stuff. And, we officially uh, have over 24 hours of content now. Yes, we do. Definitely. This will at least put us at 24 hours in one minute. Yeah. <laughs> so you could spend a whole day without sleep listening exactly. to D&D Talk. Yep. And uh, if you want to hear us actually playing, uh, check out Plus 5 to Hit. It's another podcast where we play Dungeons & Dragons, uh, where you are a magnificent bard and I'm a really bright-eyed monk it's uh it's interesting i'd say magnificent kitty yeah and uh i got to find out what it's like to be c3po that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) uh but until next time uh ryan where can people find you you can find me on twitter at tbkzor and if you're looking for me you can find me on twitter i'm at ben bumhofer everybody thank you very much for joining us on this episode of dn discussions uh you know, you got to think of a really cool, like, catchphrase about, you know, have fun at the table or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop that. But Yeah, we we'll, we'll need to workshop it. Yeah. But uh, until next time, be good to each other. Have a good one. <laughs>